Good afternoon, Dave. Happy Sunday. Isn't it a happy Sunday? It is. It's. Uh, I take a. I take a few less clouds, but um, besides yeah, that, that's my only gripe. Of doing all right, hey. The wind was a little bit chilly yeah. before. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring my little uh, hoodie, but I did. So life's hard sometimes. Mm. Good chat. Good chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, where are we? We're at Future Mountain. We sure are. And. We've got an interview with Shane, uh, one of the founders, coming up in a second. Uh, Future Mountain here in Reservoir, Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's have a bit of a chat first. How sure, are you? Sure, very well. What's the news? Uh, I think Moondog World's the big news at the moment. It is, isn't it? And it should be. It's, it's a big bloody venue. It is a big bloody venue. Yeah. I've been there once. Uh, it was their very first, very first soft launch and things weren't going smoothly for them out, but any venue that sure, size is going to be. Um, but you've been back since. Yeah, so uh, it's my hyper local now. It's almost less than ten minutes to walk there for me. Mm. So I've been there three times um, in just a bit more than a week. So yep, um, pretty regular. I know, uh, and it's immense. Mm. It's a cool, cool venue. Have you explored yeah. it? Yeah, there's, there's definitely little different areas. nooks and crannies. My favorite area so far is the pinball room. Um, I like a bit of pinball. Yeah, I like a penny. Yeah. What, how much are the pennies? Uh, one's a dollar, the other two dollars. Yeah, um, and that's that's all you can hope for. The only thing I would, the only gripe I would have there is there's no cash out facilities in there. So if you don't have cash to change, ah, uh, yeah, if you're not you're rocking uh, up with the roller ones. Yeah, ex- oh no, no, they'll they'll, they'll change notes for okay. you. But if you got no cash, yeah, you're not playing pinball. Yeah, good tip. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm here I for. I don't carry cash, really. Neither do I. I just carry yeah. my phone. I went to the races last Saturday, and uh, part of my winnings were uh, was in cash, and that was the only time. That was the only reason why I had cash in my wallet. But mm. a lot of it went to pinball. I'll tell you mm. that. Yeah. Um, so for people that don't know, it's a big Moondog venue, 750 people, 725, 750, something like that. Um, yeah. 72 taps. I've seen. I've actually seen reputable websites saying 72 different beers. Oh, yeah, Certainly that's not the case. It's 25 uh, Moondog beers and about five guest um, yeah, yeah. taps on a couple of be- on a couple of different um, bars. And, and they've got cocktail taps and wine taps. And then they've got well, cocktail right? taps, wine yeah. taps. And then I don't know if they count the um, pina colada mm. as taps either, but whatever, whatever you want to say. Do um, some fact-checking if you're reporting how many taps definitely. and how many beers. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Those pina colada slushies are unreal. I haven't had the slushy version. I've had the regular version at the Moondog Brewery. That's the only Oxford. version they give, I think. Okay. In well, the pineapple glass. Yeah. Did you not enjoy it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah I really yeah. liked it. Oh, they also have to do... Um, I'm going to buy some because it was that delicious. They just do uh, pineapple rum on ice. Yep. Goddamn delicious. Yum. Yeah, yep. really good. I, I, um, I'm cautious of this venue. <laughs> Yeah, it's so big. It's so it's big. Open for so like it's open every day. Yep, I think from lunchtime every day. Something um, like that. Yeah, I might be <laughs> telling people off for fact checking that I'm like, <laughs> here's what I disagree with, which may or may not be true. Um, but Jezebel's yum, eh? That size of venue is, uh, you know, it's impressive. There's a lagoon in the middle. There's a waterfall. It's visually stunning. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I think what they're going to need to do is have a pretty slick 
food operation mm. going. Mm. And I like that's been that's been what I've noticed so far is that like food's a huge focus mm. um, of the customers at least. But it's gonna probably need to be, I think. Yeah. And it's quite an extensive menu they have there. Yeah, it is. Share plates, burgers. Um, yeah. You know what's what's a little bit irritating? They've got a Parma roll, which is not called a Parma roll. They call it a schnitzel, a ham, cheese, and Napoli sauce roll. Right. I'll save them a few characters in the menu. It's called save a Parma roll. Yeah. It was called Parma roll in the article that I read. The was it? Sheet one? There we go. But uh, the, or yeah. maybe it was like in a little teaser. You know how Brigitte does those little teasers? Yeah, right. Um, so I certainly knew they had Parma rolls. I yeah. didn't realize they were called. Yeah. Uh, some really good spots for people watching. Definitely. I've already got a favorite spot. My Definitely. one time there. Yeah. Um, there's some good spots. Uh, we took the dog there. Um, I think this is the one thing they're going to have to figure out because I met the guys from Blackman's there talking to us. They came across... Uh, the dog's a, uh, is a celebrity. Mm. So you talk to people when you're with the dog. And they came over to say good day to the dog. And they said, did you bring... Uh, the dog through the main bar to get into the because the dogs are allowed in the beer garden okay I haven't seen the beer garden yeah so there's a beer garden but you enter the beer garden through the venue yeah so you go through the main entrance through past where the lagoon is and then through that roller door is the beer garden Mm. and uh, which is great there was a few dogs there um, but they were like so you brought the dog through the venue mm. and they were like, well, that's, that's like, we'd love to be dog friendly, but that's the, that's the thing holding us back. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to have to open up a different entrance or entrance from the other side. Depend on, it depends on councils as well. I yeah, think. I guess so. Um, um, it's a tough on the old dog friendly venues. Yeah, uh, it is a little bit. It's such a part of their brand that they're going to have to make it, they're going to probably strive to make it happen. But um, mm. Yeah. It was good fun though, yeah. Speaking of dogs, there's a funny little dog crossing the road over there. Oh yeah? I'm really enjoying watching him. I think he's off lead. Uh, I think he might be right. I can just see him through the crack there. He's a well-behaved little fella. That is great stuff. Well done, little dog. Yeah, um, he is crushing it. Um, yeah, I've been two Friday nights and a Sunday Arvo. Uh, obviously, the Sunday Arvo was the most relaxed time of it. Mm. And that, the beer garden is kind of cool because there's no taps in that bar. It's a can bar. Mm. So if it's real busy and you don't want to wait for things, you can go get a can of almost anything. Yeah. Because um, that's what you don't really like. I was just people watching in the beer garden with what everyone was drinking in cans. Going, I was going, they got a lot of packaged canned beers almost mirroring what's mm. on the tap list. So 72 different beers. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you try that? Barrel normal activity? Yeah, I have had that. That's pretty fun. It's fun. Yeah. That's um, a new hop. Does it, I don't think it has a name yet. It's a it was one of those like SR59 yeah. hashtag. Um, but for people that aren't aware, it's may the characters are oak um, and pine. and So it's kind of... Mimics barrel aging uh, characteristics. Yeah, yeah. So Moondog made a porter using that hop and it kind of does taste like a barrel-aged porter. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to do interesting things with that hop. Yeah, I agree. Um, I reckon there's going to be some pretty bad things to that hop as well. But, you know, not... not but, I mean, it's one of those, like, it's a big multiplier. Mm. So, it's either going to multiply you in a good way or a terrible way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Um, but yeah. it's a it's it's a fun it's a fun venue to have. So this is what happened opening night. Mm. I said to Steph, we were going there with two of our friends, and I said to Steph, I know where you're excited about going to Moon Dog World, but how open to you, how open are you to the possibility of going there, being overwhelmed, and then just going to Three Ravens? And I feel like that might be what happens for us yeah. if it maintains the level of intensity there. If you want that kind of drink, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if you if you nab a spot at the lagoon or get one of the tables up top, you're in for a relaxing time. Are they doing table service? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is good. Ambitious. Um, it's ambitious. I mean, the whole thing is ambitious. But, but yeah, uh, I think. It was almost a godsend the first night because you couldn't get anywhere near the bar. Mm. Um, it was long lines and then you could get someone to bring you beers uh, if you were up because we, we were up in that little viewing deck. Mm. Um, so it was good not like just knowing you didn't have to go venturing out into the hectic yeah. floor it was. Um, and they were still doing that up till Friday night. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah. Anyway, I'm sure they'll they'll, they'll have little things they'll iron out mm, and mm. get a get, get a good system going. But um, it's an impressive venue, though. Uh, I went to a slightly smaller scale operation <laughs> um, in Shepparton. Shepparton Brewery it's opened oh, up. Was it 600 not, packs? Uh, no, no. Though? I think it's probably closer to 100. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, close to the same size. Yeah. Um, 500 liter brew kit. Um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, the beers were, were good, yeah. um, solid, nothing really... What, was it like a standard offering Pretty for standard. the regional? Yeah, cool. Um, I think, yeah, Session Red, Ale, uh, Pilsner, oh, a draft and a lager for, to, you know, or a mid-strength, sorry, to appease the, the drinkers of Shepparton. Sure. Um, so Shepparton is a town of around 60,000 people, a lot of regional sort of towns near it as well. A lot of fruit and produce is grown there. Uh, Campbell's and Ardmona and all these sorts of places. I think one of your previous trips to Shepherd and you observed that everyone was on Great Northerns. Yeah, so that's Great the kind of drinker. The that's the kind of typical drinker that you um, might find. So there are, there's a story in the Crafty Pint about these guys, Shepherd and Brewery, and two other uh, brewers that are sort of looking like to set up the shop. Nor? Or yeah. Shepherd and specific. One's kind of outside of Shepherd and, but they're going to. I think they're contract brewing, but opening a little tap room. Mm-hmm. And the other one is. Uh, Farmhousey one nearby. Fun. Um, so these the this one is kind of the, th- the first. You know, the probably the f- you can get decent beers at the Dan Murphy's there, but yep. you can get decent, very old beers at yeah, the Dan okay. Murphy's there. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I had a chat to the guy um, who started it, and he used to have a restaurant called Tala, which opened in Rupna, um, which got one hat in the age hat system. Great. Um, and then. There's a he moved to Shepparton, moved the restaurant to Shepparton, and Teller has a few businesses connected to it now, like a pizza and a, oh, right. and a cafe. Is it known? Like yeah, pretty yeah. well known. Um, he but he's since sold that, uh, and now he's he's doing this. Um, he he said he's doing more food than he wanted. He wanted to make a brewery, but he sure. realizes that. He, he, I got the sense that he's like, I'm back in the kitchen again. This is not what I wanted right. to be doing. But um, he said, you know, the reality is that this is what I have to do. Yeah, and that's um, what uh, I think Moondog will probably find. And I think yeah. that's what um, Future Mountain has found as well. Yeah. So, yeah. 
always really busy. He was saying like they're you know the, the locals are really welcoming, um, really supportive. He and it's a, a nice operation. Like it's a big warehouse right near town. Like you know you can walk if you're pretty much anywhere near the central part of town. You can walk there easily. Nice. Um, and he just said I really want to make this a locals venue i'd love to get a canning line he'd love to do things but at the moment it's local focus you know yeah getting getting people coming in having a nice place to drink and a beer that's not you know a beer that's locally made yeah um he is wary of you know he doesn't want to do big ipas or anything which i i don't know you know i guess i'm always like don't underestimate yeah your drinkers once once they come back a few times i reckon you could probably get an ipa in there and people quite like it um but He's running a successful brewery and I'm not, so... Um, I respect that a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really interesting. Um, if you're in Shepparton, um, there's nothing else to do in Shepparton. <laughs> I, I've holidayed there quite a bit uh, due to my in-laws and it's not a... It's no, not like AMF bowling or anything like that? There is a bowling, there's a picture theatre, there's a man-made lake, which is fine. Uh, but now there's Shepparton Brewery. Yeah. yeah, a couple of okay... Eat some drinks. A uh, really good coffee place by the Pablo, which I think is connected to Vitello oh, right, operation. To yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to slag off Shepparton, but it's a good place to visit now. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a good, really good. This addition. is a good addition. Um, yeah, okay. and for me, knowing, yeah, know, exactly. I mean, once you've had a bowl, once you've been to the lake, it's time to retire to the brewery, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got some other things I noted down. Nice. You want to hear them? Love to. Yeah, hard seltzer. I got a little tip. The old of the um, white claw behemoth. Yeah. So people that aren't aware, hard seltzer is soda, sparkling, fizzy, slightly flavoured alcoholic water. Yep. Uh, I think made from grain. Yep. RTD or UDL style things. But uh, being marketed as the I don't want to say the healthy choice, but in that sort of style, in that yeah. vein, though, right? Um, Brian Roth of Good Beer Hunting's done some really good articles about hard seltzer's rise. Um, its market share is insane. Suddenly, I think um, Boston Brewery Brewers of Sam Adams hard seltzer is like now their number one seller by multiple. Wow! Um, over the course of three or four years. Uh, this year is the first year that it hasn't really declined in sales. That it has? It hasn't, hasn't after summertime. Oh, I see. So sales normally just oh, tank. so now it's like in the zeitgeist yeah. that people's go-to drink. Yeah, and that's that's true of, I think, uh, White Claw is obviously the biggest or the, the biggest one. Yeah. Um, but I, I got a, a little tip. Um, Have you ever had it before? No. I'd like to. Yeah, so would I. I drink uh, gin and soda at home, uh, which it's is... It's almost my go-to home drink, yeah. yeah. But I love gin and soda. It's the best, yeah. Um... But I don't, I don't know how public knowledge this is. I don't know if it's going ahead. But through the rumor mill, uh, Lion are bringing out a hard seltzer and calling it hard seltzer. Smart. Um, which is interesting because outside of beer geeks know what hard seltzer is suddenly because of the, the rise and the noise coming out of it. But I don't think your average punter knows what... Like I, don't, I had to Google what seltzer was. Yeah, I think... Uh I think I looked it up because they mentioned seltzer in Seinfeld. Okay. So I think back in the day, I looked at the whole thing about Oh, it's just soda. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a not familiar term. Mm. But I think it's, I think 
regardless, I think that's a that's a that's a savvy move mm. by Lion. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. get in there. Um, I don't know about the tax rules around it. I think yeah, right. Tax, um, it might be taxes and RTD. I'm sure the the good people at Lion have figured that out. Yeah, well, yeah. ahead of me. Um, you know what though? I was looking. I was in Dan Murphy's, and I was looking. I was going. Isn't there a Spirit-based RTD that's soda water, not tonic. Mm. And they, I couldn't find one. So. Have you seen these new um, sake ones around? No. Uh, the can- I've seen posters for them. I don't know who's making them, but they. I'm pretty sure it's sake and they might do like a plum wine one. But the cans look really fun. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's sake. And it's just sake or is it like a... It's a RTD kind yeah, of. Yeah, right. You know, so the, the packaging that's is beautiful. That's pretty fun. Uh, to the point where I've seen them a few times. I'm like, I really need to pick some of this up. Yeah. Um, like if it tastes like the packaging makes me think it tastes, yeah, okay. it's got to be really refreshing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting drink category to keep an eye on. It's not really beer, but it's beer adjacent. Um, it is. Um, and people, and I think there's an enormous space for it. Mm. Enormous space for it. People like booze delivery systems to be easy. Yeah, and also I can't imagine that there's been a more health conscious time than now. Mm. And I don't think they're healthy, healthier for you at all. No? No. Why not? There's probably a lot of sugar in there. Sugar and alcohol. Natural sugar, sure. Mm, but like... I think some of them are... Arti- I, don't, I don't know. Depends but the difference between gin and tonic and gin and soda is yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. So um, if, if that's the difference that yeah, you're making, then yeah. it's going to be... That, and I think that's, that's a, a difference that a lot of people are aware of. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think there's a huge spot for it. I um I can't really drink gin and tonic anymore. It's so sweet. It's gross. Yeah, I yeah. don't like it. Um, Unless it's like that awesome. Who's that? What's that awesome tonic doctor? Doctor something. Strange loves. Doctor Strange. Oh, I strange think it's a strange yeah. love tonic. Yeah, they've got a good dirty tonic. Yeah, which, so uh, quite like like one of my favorite like uh, warm weather drinks is um, bloody Shiraz from Four Pillars with a bit of lemon strange love tonic mm. topped up with a bit of soda water yeah Mate, that's fun you're having a great time yeah, yeah that sounds fun um, I really like the Four Pillars and they're owned by Lion now as well aren't they um, they? yeah they their Christmas gin yeah uh, which is they actually I think distill it through Christmas puddings okay um, that's fun I had a f- hashtag freebie bottle last year because I wrote a story about the artwork and um, it was great artwork too yeah, it was beautiful. Um, that artist has an exhibition on um, Stephen Baker, I think his name is at the moment in Melbourne. Yeah, he used to play for the Saints, and now he's doing art. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a joke That's for not Saints true. Yeah, fans, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and all agitated football fans too. He was um, a character. Yeah. Um, but oh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about his other artwork in a sec because I saw it last night when I was at a venue. But um, yeah, the Christmas gin in a martini, just with, you know, a really dry martini. Yeah. Oh, just worked. Lovely. So lovely. So fun. So like, yeah, really good. That's awesome. Uh, so I went to a new bar last night that's, it's open, but very quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be very quiet for long, but it's it's called Birdie. It's op- Birdie? Yep. yep. B-Y-R-D-I. Um, okay. It's opened by a couple who own um, a brewery, in, uh, sorry, brewery, a bar in Singapore that's in the top 50 I think it was number 23 in 2018. Yeah, right. Top 50 bars. Um, really high-end cocktail. But this is in the new Melbourne Central precinct um, where they've got a kind of high-end food offering precinct in there. Right. It's really bizarre. Where? where In Melbourne Central Tower? Yeah, yeah. Is that where like, the Black Arts is open? That sort yeah, of stuff? yeah. Okay. Black Arts yeah. are there. They've got a really fun entrance there. Um, really fun-looking little like 
ramen or sushi shops. There's a really good looking um, pad thai place, like pastely design, pad really clean, great, yeah. clean uh, look. Really interesting area of, of the world, this part. Yeah, okay. Um, and this extremely high end cocktail bars open up there, but they're opening up all day. So they're doing coffee in the mornings. Um, smart. But it's quite, smart thing it's to do, not. Yeah. I thought it would be tucked away behind a secret door. It's very much open to the yeah, world. Right. Um, really clean design, lots of light grain wood, but a lot of fermented stuff. Right. Which really yeah, got me. I saw your Insta stories. It was yeah. pretty interesting. Um, they're making their own mead where they went to a honey producer and the honey producer said, we've got this um, year old honeycomb that sort of started fermenting. Do you want it? Like, we don't, we're not going to use it for anything. And they're like, yeah. And so they use that to start their mead ferments. Fun. Um, a lot of that. There's, a, I guess, a trend in the world of cocktails now away from the speakeasy, dark room thing into this kind of a clean, bright. Yep. Um, and so every cocktail is there's not really any garnishes. Pure, you know, clear spirit um, with, you know, I think Emma got a one that had jasmine flower in there, but really well, like almost Japanese in the approach when you think of. You know, that clean flower. What's the flower arranging in Japan? That uh, Sakura? Yeah. Cherry blossom? Yeah. Yeah, oh, there's the arranging. Oh, right. That is. Right, of course. It just kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, it's it's everything was really simple to when it's served. It's not a, you know, there's no spark and f- bartending flair. But the work behind the scenes to get it to that point is, yeah, is nice. quite phenomenal. They've got a little lab area which they're eventually going to open up for sort of private tastings and um, visiting chefs to do, you know, demonstrations in. Uh, but it's right in the middle of kind of Melbourne Central. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this weird vibe of like, this is probably one of the most exciting bars openings in the world right now. And it's in the middle of Melbourne Central. Yeah, weird. Um, and it's not hidden away, which is fun, but kind of jarring because... Yeah, they're going to get a lot of people that aren't ready for it in there. Mm. It's very, um, I mean, the service is insane. The people, I was chatting to one of the waiters and he said, I knew this place was opening and I basically, I just took part, I took hold, holding pattern jobs. Until it was ready. Until it was ready. Yeah, right. I have to work here. This is going to be a place. Um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, I, uh, Emma and I were talking about the, the speakeasy style bar or the hidden bar. Yeah, um, it's like, it's, the exclusivity of that is part of it. Is part of that, you know, is kind of fun to find the the door. Sure. However, the uh, like broadsheet culture has shattered that. Mm. Shattered it. I was there for broadsheet, by the way. So hashtag freebies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, there's no there's no secrecy about it. Yeah, ever. yeah. Um, but like, even I went to a bar in the Gold Coast, which everyone knows about. Yeah. But you still have to find the yeah, doorway and te- text a phone number to get in. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. Um. But. Yeah, the notion that like a cocktail bar needs to be sort of like dimly lit, dark. Yeah. That's like, there's no reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so accepted. Like it's so universally accepted. Yeah. What else we got? Oh, Indie Beer Day. Which I, I work Enlighten for. me. So it's an IBA. Um, my, one of my employers, they, Independent Brew Association, um, we're doing a... Indie Beer Day on October 26th, where it's just kind of a, there's not much to it in terms yep. of we're asking venues and breweries and stuff to sign up, and at two o'clock, 
Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Some of our marketing, unfortunately, says AEST. And then I went, the other day after Daylight Savings, I'm like, hang on, we're no longer in Daylight. So, 2 o'clock, o'clock AEDT. So, 1 o'clock, Brisbane, a little bit earlier in uh, Perth. But it's about the day, really. Um, sure. A lot of and so breweries and bars are getting on board, and just doing. We just saying to people, we just do something simple. Uh, you know, do a bar shout for a round, or you know, team up with a, a brewery if you're a bar, and you know, get them to first. Just first do something free. simple and fun. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, don't overthink it. But yeah, it'd be cool to see see more venues get on board. Um, if you sign up, you get some. We'll send you some posters, some little craft beer independent supporter pins. You need to register for the license. It's hundred dollars. Yep. Um, and then you can be a certified independent supporter. I like it. Um, really ramping up the consumer angle of the Independent Brewers Association. Uh, yeah. So Fun. I think I might. I don't 26th know. of October. Yeah. I might head along to, I don't know, a venue and do a thing. See what's up. Actually, I'll probably have to for work go to a lot of venues. Surely, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, check it out. Nice. And speaking of um, Good Beer Week registrations, uh, open at the moment. Uh, for to October 31 and if you sign up for the certified independent seal um, licensing so the $100 licensing you no that's not true sorry it's the other way alright if you this sign up for a Good Beer Week event this year you can apply to get that license for the seal so you don't have to pay the extra $100 oh I see right um, so if you're a bar that has any independent beer you can sign up nice um and if you're a brewery that's a member, a full member of the IBA, you get a 15% discount if you register an event. Very good. Uh, yeah. Whew. Hectic time. It's about to start for Good Beer Week. It's been pretty hectic the whole time. Yeah, right. It's uh, the 10th, not the 10th anniversary of Good Beer Week. It's the 10th ever Good Beer Week. This is quite hard to word. Oh, I Because the anniversary has to happen one year after the first. Right. You can't have your first anniversary on the day, so it's our 10th. Is that right? Yeah. 10? Yeah. Holy moly. First one was 2011. It's quite confusing. Yeah, right. To work out. But yeah, 10. 10th ever. That's crazy. Times have changed. I would have said 6 or 7. That's crazy. All right. It does feel like a long time ago. Yeah. We certainly weren't doing this podcast. I just started my blog. Yeah. I was probably doing my blog too. Mm. Uh, Crazy, yeah. I was doing some... uh, I was doing some... Beer profiles for Crafty Pie. Yep. How many taps did were Gabs doing then for the first year? Oh, the first, first year was just at there. Was it tap house? It was twenty. Yeah. And then it was sixty, I think, in the yeah. first one at the. What do you call <laughs> it? It seemed crazy. We're like, yeah. whoa, what? Sixty. Sixty beers. There and aren't that many. Yeah. There wasn't any stands there either at the time. It was just that, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. There was no brewery stands. I don't recall. Yeah, it wasn't. From it feels like I've got no recollection of the first exhibition set at Gabs. I do because I remember lots of queues, and every session I went to, they changed how they were. Yeah, they were very agile about it. Um, and what I remember seeing Steve and Guy standing at the top looking down yeah. and watching, and you could see them like trying to piece together how this could work. Yeah, um, now Jeebus, it's a well oiled machine, it's a big bloody event, yeah, isn't it? Wow. Um. All right, that's that's. Should we third. throw it to the interview? Yeah, we'll throw it to the interview, and then we'll come back and right. we can do some. Are we rambling? This is uh, a lot of the recording so far. Yeah, it's going to be a long episode. Okay, but cool. Fine. All right.
Dave, we would have already introduced each other by this point. Oh, right. We're okay. do an intro later on. All right. Terminator timeline. Yeah. Yep. Um, Terminator timeline? Yeah, Terminator. It's all interwoven the timeline of it. Yeah. I've yeah. been watching Dark on your recommendation. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon? Uh, good. Very confusing. Season Definitely. Oh, confusing. for sure. Did you um, watch the first season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did, how quickly between the seasons did you. Straight away. Oh, that's way better. And you're yeah, still yeah. confused. Oh, yeah. It's very I confusing. picked up the second season like after watching the first season when it first came out. And I was like, I don't really know what's going on here, but I'm, I just I imagine it's going to unfold later on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some of it did. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Dark, Shane? No, Dark? Yeah. Mm, so no. German uh, sort of thriller time travel mystery yeah, series. mystery sort of series yeah, right. on Netflix. Yeah. On Netflix, is it? Mm. Yeah. Similar to Stranger Things. Yeah, right. Uh, it gets compared to that a lot. Okay. I think it kind of departs it? pretty quickly. Yeah. Like sort of... There's 80 vibes. Yeah, there's okay. teens sort of solving a mystery. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Shane, how's it going? Very good. Thank you. Welcome to uh, Isle of Time <laughs> podcast. Thanks very much. It's uh, my first time at Future Mountain. Dave, you've here, been here before. Once before, yeah, yeah. Um, it's bloody nice here. Thank you. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the tap room you've got and the kind of the approach. Uh, yep. So we're on um, uh, Plenty Road in Reservoir. Uh, it used to be a motor mechanics. It's uh, 620 square metres. Uh, so it's a pretty sizable uh, sort of space. Uh, we were fortunate enough that the um, motor mechanic that was in here previously spent a lot of money on the building. So floors and all that sort of stuff, um, painting of the facade and everything was already done. Uh, fortunately, in a colour that we liked. So that was always handy. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, Ian and I, uh, we got uh, we got this space uh, a little over twelve months ago um, now, and um, yeah, we spent the first sort of um, sort of eight or nine months doing the fit out. Um, so we've sort of got like a front bar area and it's sort of a back bar area, licensed for one hundred and twenty people. Um, our whole idea was to sort of you know meld what our sort of ethos was with you know sort of the beers that we make and the branding. Uh, to be able to sort of make it in into the into the tap room space, so it's almost like whilst it's, it seems t- still sort of interactive, you're in amongst the barrels and things like that. But also, it's sort of you should be able to leave um, here with with a strong sense of sort of not only what we do uh, beer wise, but also branding wise, and it sort of carries across to the labels of the beers. And we we're very particular about sort of you know sort of finding that that sort of sympathetic aspect with the design. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before to me, uh, sorry Luke, that um, your your uh, wife has done some of the graphical design with the mm. branding and that sort of stuff. Did that extend into the fit out of the uh, of the venue? Yeah. So um, Ian and I, whilst we're we're sort of uh, the brewers and we're the ones that sort of uh, pop up and do um, things brewing related. Um, Ian's wife, Elisa, uh, is a chartered accountant and uh, my wife, uh, Cara, um, does uh, digital multimedia and uh, graphic design. Very useful, So yeah. they are so integral <laughs> integral to this <laughs> business. They make <laughs> us look good and, and make us sound sort of uh, financially viable. So it's, the you know, even sort of as far back as when Ian and I first had the idea of actually opening the brewery, sort of... Um, <coughs> um, drafting up our business plan and sort of uh, putting it out there people were like wow this looks amazing it was really nice nice sort of um, glossy business plan all the financials were there and we were just laughing going <laughs> we did so little of this it's not funny so yeah so much sort of um, respect and kudos sort of um, has to go um, to the girls because that they are an integral part of the business hugely so there's some kind of interesting like little art installations hanging up how did they come about do you do have you not twigged to what they are 
No. Oh, really? What well, I can't I can see half of it from here. Okay. Go uh, on, I'm, give I'm, us I'm the, the barrel hoops, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Yeah. So they, I spotted them when I came in. Uh, can you? I guess it's not. A, I'll take a photo and put it on the thing. But mm. what are they? Yeah. So exactly. Uh, exactly that. So. Uh, barrel hoops. When we sourced, uh, we got all of our barrels um, from a cooper over in the Barossa Valley. And uh, when Ian and I sort of flew over there and selected the big puncheons, um, we sort of had a few ideas that, um, you know, we would like to um, use some uh, barrel hoops in some sort of a design sort of feature within the business, um, within the taproom, I should say. Um, and so, yeah, he threw he threw a whole heap of them on the truck when the when the barrels got um, trucked over here, and um, I sort of learned how to do some um, uh, MIG welding. And so I had a MIG welder there, and Ian and Cara sort of uh, set about sort of uh, being very um, creative uh, sculpture wise, and sort of laid them out, and and then I sort of tack welded them, and then we um, suspended them with chain amongst the lights. So they sort of are these things to sort of help sort of lower the perception of the ceiling height and still you know sort of ties into the to the business so the barrel hoops would they just get wasted uh well so what the um the coopers they actually do a lot of work you know part of the actual um coopering is that they will break down barrels Mm. and rebuild barrels um so they do reuse them um but these ones were a whole bunch of old, rust, um, old uh, rusty ones that were um, sitting outside. So, you know, it, it worked perfect for us because he said, yeah, you can have as many as you want. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great finding something uh, useful mm. for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's it sort of, whilst it sort of fits into the, um, to the design um, brief of the business, it also came at the perfect price too, which was free. Yeah, so ideal. we, we, uh, we learned to be very frugal because uh, Ian and I did, you know, pretty much all of the fit out ourselves. So, um, yeah, Facebook Marketplace and Grays Online and stuff like that, all of the timber and everything is sourced from cheap bulk lots that we bought at auctions and things like that. So... Yeah. Facebook Marketplace is an interesting place. It's a whole world unto itself. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> I spend so long just looking at random things and questioning the people behind them and what they're and doing. The photo with their selections lives. as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Are you trying to sell it or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw one the other day that was like vintage beer tap handles, Furphy brand, and they were like not for sale. Like, what just showing off. What are you putting them up? What? In? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what? Don't, con- don't contact me about these. They're not for sale. They're not for sale. <laughs> it's just a weird place to flex. I just want to show a bunch of people what I've got. <laughs> um, so you talked about uh, how the barrels reflect, or the, the sort of the hoops reflect your approach. Um, tell us about your approach to beer. So I guess at at its very essence, it's it's. Um, the styles of beers that uh, we do here at uh, Future Mountain uh, are very much what Ian and I are passionate about. Um, and we uh, we realised that we had a lot in common in terms of the styles of beers which we liked and also wanted to be able to sort of do something that, that um, you know, w- could really reflect, you know, where, where we were coming from. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to start off with a focus on... Uh, pale ales and IPAs and things like that um, you know we wanted to sort of approach more of the sort of traditional sort of you know Belgian style Belgian and French style uh, saisons as well as like mixing in sort of the um, new world uh, mixed fermentation um, 
breweries that uh, are hugely uh, popular sort of over in America in particular. Mm. So, um, yeah, so we sort of do our sort of cross-section of beers. Um, we have like a Belgian wit-style white ale. Um, we do sort of uh, a couple of different variants of uh, saisons. Uh, New World Hop Saisons into mixed fermentation, sort of what we term as farmhouse ales, um, then down to uh, sort of uh, sour beers, so the introduction of uh, bacteria as well as wild yeast, um, and yeah, so sort of on the, on the sour side, doing sort of blended golden sours as well as um, a lot of fruited beers. So fruiting is sort of something that's sort of we quite sort of heavily influenced by um, and the seasonality of fruiting in particular. Mm. So. Uh, how do you guys know each other? Uh, Ian and I used to work together at a brewery. Um, so yeah, we've, we've known each other for, um, uh, for three or four years now. Um, and yeah, working, you know, sort of working uh, side by side with somebody in a, um, in a uh, small uh, craft brewery, you get to know them very, very well. It's, uh, yeah, it, it can be very trying conditions. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that um, really sort of uh, relies on, you know, sort of being able to really know that somebody is a hard worker, but also, you know, sort of has, um, has your back, you know, like you're working in sort of, uh, you know, hot or cold, uh, trying conditions, you've got, you know, um, a whole bunch of other factors, you know, chemical high pressure can be quite dangerous um, that, you know, requires a certain a certain sort of person that can sort of, with uh, the right skill sets to be, you know, a good brewer. So you have that situation and you sort of work side by side with somebody for, you know, sort of two years and you get to know them pretty damn well. So, yeah, there are a lot of things that sort of after a while of us talking and you know just as you do talking about you know sort of beer and music and things like that we sort of realized that there are a lot of things which we had in common um so yeah and having worked at other breweries that um you know you could like i a key thing that i um identified very early on was the fact that you know it's such an all-encompassing sort of business that requires your attention on so many different levels it's pretty hard to do it by yourself so you know you add in the financial aspect of it as well in terms of you know wanting to share that load and you know we both sort of identified that doing it in some sort of a business partnership was something that sort of uh, made a lot more sense you know to be able to still maintain a certain amount of work family balance as well you know how does the uh, brewing and I guess the the day-to-day work then with sort of two people uh, coming on (coughs) as equal partners uh, with brewing backgrounds who comes up with the recipes and how is that yeah I've got to say you know it's something that it's something that does just happen um, very organically you know it's sort of uh, across the different styles of beers that we do do um, we have a very similar um, a similar palette in terms of what we like and what we don't like so the decision making process in terms of you know what we're going to brew or how we blend a beer or you know fruiting rates and things like that I've got to say, in all honesty, it happens quite easily. Um, it's definitely helped by a lot, helped a lot by the fact that um, you know uh, Ian Ian's primary focus and 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 sort of uh, passion, I guess, really does lie on the sour um, sour mixed fermentation side, where I. I, you know, my my number one uh, favourite sort of style of beer is uh, saison. So I do like, you know, sort of the um, 
the uh, Belgian bent um, and really enjoy doing sort of mixed fermentation Brett beers and things like that, you know, farmhouse style ales. So it's sort of like in terms of the distribution of duties, it's sort of like whilst it's a very collaborative process, you know, once we get down into the swing of it sort of thing, it's sort of like I'm more than happy, you know, you know, more than happy to, to sort of, you know, that, that, that Ian drives the, the, the maintenance of a lot of the sour side and, and sort of likewise, you know, sort of when we're doing, you know, some of the more sack beers and, and sort of things like that. So it's, you know, the brewing side of it, it just sort of happens pretty organically. But I've got to say too, like it does come back to the thing like I was saying earlier, it's sort of like at the end of the day, both of us just get in there and sort of get the job done. Working the hospitality and the sales side, now that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us, we, we go, oh, damn, you know. Yeah. So it's it's been such a learning curve for us to sort of, you know, sort of especially the sales to sort of get out there and because being production brewers where you just work in a shed and, you know, it's sort of like the sales side of it, man, you know, that's that's something that we, we, are, we are learning the hard way. <laughs> and, and these days there are well-trained sales reps selling yeah. similar products um, that have, you know, they are sales. They know sales. Absolutely. Um, how does that go for you? Do you just not cold call and go and see how it goes down or what do you do? Yeah, well, sort of, we're only just starting to push out in sort of doing a bit of wholesale now. Um, um, we've been quite fortunate sort of up until just recently Um We've had quite a few people that have um, chased us up, you know, sort of um, reached out to us. Um, and sort of now we're starting to sort of get out there. So, you know, sort of we have our own little sort of uh, areas where, you know, one of us will focus on Fitzroy and the other one will focus on Footscray. And we just slowly start to sort of go out there and start to reach out. But it's so true, exactly like you said, you know, sort of we're sort of out there selling beer in a highly competitive market where you've got breweries that are far more resourced um you know with you know dedicated salespeople and and you know have the ability to be able to offer discounts and can throw in caps and t-shirts and all the stuff that makes one hell of a difference so you know like really what 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 we're peddling on is um you, you know uh the strength of our brand the styles of, of the beers we do and we really do have to push the quality side of it and and then you know sort of have have um staff in here for tastings and things like that and um yeah i try and look pretty disheveled and and uh you know try and sort of get a you know a, like a pity sale yeah. you know from time to time no shoes or something like that yeah, if, if you don't make a sale do you say ah oh, all right do you have any money for parking i'm kind of yeah. <laughs> i actually have an eight-year-old daughter so i get her to come in barefoot and you know Excellent. make her look a bit sort of you know Perfect. shabby and disheveled and say now remember when it gets to that really critical point of the sale tug on my shirt and say you're hungry because you haven't eaten for the last two days Perfect. so yeah so i thought you said you weren't an experienced salesman <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've got me um i just uh, almost finished this dark beer you put in front of us i don't really know what it is can you mm -hmm. tell me what it is uh so that was our um winter solstice beer that um is called uh, a million stars uh, so it's a dark farmhouse ale, so it's a blend of, um, of a saison and a farmhouse ale yeast. Um, and uh, we've spiced it with uh, star anise, cardamom, uh, juniper berries, black pepper, 
uh, rosemary. So it just gives this light sort of almost sort of spruce sort of wooded forest floor sort of uh, f- uh, flavour to it. Um, it's dark, but it's got dehusked dark malts, so it's actually quite light on the palate. Like it doesn't drink like a dark roasty beer or you know sort of anything like that. So it's a lot of spice to put in a beer. What's that? Sorry? It's a lot of spices to put into a beer. It is, yeah. All in, all in, um, very small amounts, mm. and I think that's the thing about it. Um, the thing that sort of I I really enjoy doing when you're talking about you know flavour combinations is whilst it's Whilst it's nice to be able to identify, you know, individual flavours, um, I think the thing that I like most about this from a flavour profile is the fact that uh, whilst you can identify, um, you know, some of the uh, spices, there's uh, I wouldn't be able to, like, I wouldn't pick out that there's juniper berries in there, but what the combination of what they all do together, I think is what makes it really nice. And so that's, um, you know, that's, that's something that we sort of work really hard on sort of doing, you know, it's sort of um, trying not to over-spice or over-fruit or over-sort of acidify and... All those things. It's like all of our beers. We we really want like like across the spread of our beers. What we're striving for is two key parameters: balance and drinkability. Um, so our beers are quite dry, um, and yeah. So that's what we're sort of shooting for with all of our beers. I um, noticed that a lot in the uh, silhouette, the mm-hmm. uh, imperial stout. That was great. I mean, that was probably the the one beer that I was least looking forward to because I find them often cloying and just mm. a bit much. But that was really good. Dry, drinkable. Drank way under, what is it, 9 or so percent? 9.4. Yeah, and it, it was doesn't a lot drink drier like than that. that. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. yeah. It's also, um, I guess, seeing an Imperial Stout, knowing your approach to brewing, um, seeing one on tap, was somewhat of a surprise. Yep. Um, are you always going to sort of keep a... A bigger imperial stout or things like that on, or is that no? This is actually it's the last keg and it's just about gone. So um, we uh, there won't be one until uh, next winter. And we were talking about this the other day. It was sort of um, uh, Rachel, our venue manager, uh, sort of asked whether you know whether we were sort of going to continue to have dark beers because uh, um, they're they're slowly dropping off. As sort of throughout winter, we had four dark beers. Uh, we had the uh, Million Stars, so the Spice Dark Farmhouse Ale. Uh, we had Radio Kaliningrad, which was a Czech Baltic Porter. Um, and we had uh, Fireside, which was a smoked robust porter fermented in um, uh, the Bariques. And then we had the um, Bourbon Barrel Imperial Stout. And as we ran through those four, they've, they've actually run through quite nicely and they've sort of finished off as, th- as the weather has changed. So we were talking the other day, now we're down to the last and we're about to go through it, um, you know, whether we would put another dark beer on. But whilst it's sort of nice to be able to go, you know, any time of the year to a brewery and, you know, be able to taste through a range and you've got everything from the pales down to the darks and everything in between, um, our sort of vibe at the moment is probably we're just going to continue with the seasonal side of it. Um, so throughout summer was sort of, you know, we'll push through, you know, more into a spread of more of the pale beers and um, more fruited beers and then sort of let the season dictate, you know, sort of coming into autumn we'll start hitting more ambers and things like that. 
that's sort of what we what our approach is at this stage. So, but all of those things, like what the beers that we do, and I think I was saying uh, saying before, is that um, you know we are in a luxurious position, and we understand that that we're in the first year. So the first year is one big experiment. So we have the luxury of being able to say that this is what we're planning on doing. I will look forward to listening to this in 18 months' time when there's 15 Neepers up there and <laughs> and uh, and a uh, year-round available uh, Imperial Stout. Yeah, 15 Neepers, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, tell me about the area because I don't really know this part of Melbourne that well. Um, it seems there's a few things happening at this end of... Preston? It's officially Preston, isn't it? Or Reservoir. Yeah, yeah. Reservoir. yeah, yeah. Is this We're kind of the border? What's that? Are we kind of on the border? Very much so. Uh, Hard Rubbish, which is a great bar yep. just up the road from us that's like, I don't know, 40, 50 metres up the road is Preston. So okay. we are right on the border. Mm. So, Dave, you live around here now as well, don't you? I do. I'm this side of town. I'm Preston. Yeah. All yeah, right. Very short tram ride for me. Yeah. Um, I'm on the other border. Of I'm on the southern border of mm. Preston. Yeah. I, uh, I checked out a couple of places a while back up here. Sonny's Boutique. Mm-hmm. Went and had a chat to them for a story. And the piano bar. Yeah. Have you been in there? Ragtime, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andrew comes down here and yeah. has, a, has a beer from time to time. Interesting. Lovely guy. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. You, do you know no, about No, no. Talk, talk to me He's about He's basically it. built a bar around a grand piano. Right. Um, when I spoke to him a while back, he was waiting on a, a motor so the grand piano would Rotate. move. Cool. So, like, you can literally sit, when I say around the grand piano, it's right in the middle of the room and the bar is circling it. And he just kind of encourages people to... Have a little tinkle. And have a play and gets proper, you know, serious musicians. And he's not a piano player himself. Um, he just kind of one day thought, oh, I want a live music and piano kind of works because it's kind of a fun instrument. Um, we had a bit of a pause there. Everything, everything sussed? All good. All keg, right. keg changeover. So all sorted. Okay, good Very stuff. Good. Um, yeah, so this, this part of the world... Um, you know, there are, I guess, there wasn't much nightlife around here for a while. I think Hard Rubbish was the only thing. Yep. Now there's kind of a little cluster. Uh, how are you guys sort of fitting into that? How are you finding, you know, people, are people coming to this part of the world and going to each place or? Yeah, yeah, very much so. There, there, is, there is quite a vibrant sort of uh, local community group um, around here. So, uh, yeah, we've got some great regulars that are, that are, uh, that are locals that have sort of really embraced what we're doing um, and a whole bunch of them you know previously um, you know wouldn't have come to a place that you know didn't sell you know a pale ale or something like that but mm. you know they, they've really loved it um, and it's good you know sort of um, people sort of will come here and then go up to hard rubbish or yeah eat at Sunny's and then then come down so mm. it's nice and, and it's nice that it sort of builds a little bit of a community and a bit of a hub and this area is sort of up around Tyler Street those shops it's just it's just ready to explode and, mm. and slowly there are places which are starting to open up uh, there and you know sort of in a lot of respects that it's it's very similar to sort of you know the the um, uh, city end of Brunswick Street I, li- I lived on Brunswick Street um, in the back in the early 90s and there, there's like those shops uh, up here in uh, Tyler Street it's very similar where you know there was some uh, rundown shops here and there that then gradually you know sort of a furniture shop went in there or a fashion designer or you know mm. a pottery shop or something and yeah so as as more of those places open up down there it's it's really exciting and it's good 
It's a bit further south down on Plenty Road. Um, there's like the ramen place that we talked about. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Raccoon Bar. There's um, that Chew Burgers. And then just a bit further down, there's another vacant lot with a liquor license in the window, which is going to be another venue. It just seems like it's really starting to spread north um, from the sort of high street mm. flavour. It's really exciting. Yeah. For people that, I guess, don't know this part of the world as well, um, you may have heard of the 86 tram line, which, you know, is runs through Fitzroy and Collingwood and then through... Um, and then Northgate, Thornbury. Thornbury. Yeah. Um, so you guys are now the last stop, almost, mm. if you're doing a, a beer crawl, which is a fantastic tram line for that, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of, I guess, probably... You probably nearly call it the second last stop because we've got the Rose Shamrock beside us. So if okay. you wanted to go in there for a for a for a Palmer and a Furphy, you could you could okay. sort of either start or finish there. Is that the one that I thought they had eight dollar Jim Beam stubbies as well? You're spot on, <laughs> All right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. With but, those uh, with those customers that come in that haven't maybe had anything like this before, what's your uh, approach to? Educating them on what to have. Yeah, so we've got um, uh, we've got Souljacker, which is a German style pilsner. Oh yeah, um, so yeah. yeah. Now that's you know that's that's not a beer that w- we have any intention of sort of s- uh, selling out wholesale. Um, but that was you know that was a beer that we wanted to have in the tap room. That was something sort of as a go to beer. Sure. Um, so, it's sort of how we how we have how we have the tap structured is 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 very muchly sort of left to right in terms of. Um, uh, flavor profile um, and yeah we usually rotate uh, a saison or our white ale um, which is the uh, constant state saison which is the uh, saison uh, which we've got is is a very light delicate um, sort of saison so uh, and likewise with the uh, with the white ale it would be you know is what we sort of say is our sort of entry level beer into it um, you know going through our beers if uh, if a pilsner isn't what you want but um, it's kind of nice. Like, you know, when we first opened, one of the greatest compliments that sort of I've had since we opened, there was a couple of uh, local dudes that were sort of, you know, sort of late 50s and stuff, um, hard drinking, hard living sort of guys that were just used to just, you know, having their VBs and everything. And they were like, you know, what have you got? And uh, anything VB like? I said, no, there's, there's like a pills in it that maybe if you like Heineken or whatever, you know, German pills. And uh, they're like, right, I, you know. Give us a try, and they and they had a pint, and they came back and they said that was damn good. And I was like, you know what, that is awesome. It is. The first time I came in was a Friday after work, and it was probably before five o'clock. And um, the only other people here besides me and my girlfriend was like a table of about ten like rowdy blokes. And I that wasn't the group that I uh, thought that would be in here on a Friday night, and they mm. were all here for a while. They were enjoying the beers and having a good time, and uh, this was their spot. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah interesting to see. Yeah, but that's that's been the funny thing about you know it, it's uh, you know as a a brew pub as a brewery business model is great because your front of house is just one big R and D, um, and. That's been the, the, a very interesting thing, you know, sort of the beers that are like uh, one or two beers that Ian and I thought would be, you know, our volume selling beers um, haven't necessarily turned out to be that. Um, and then one or two beers that we thought would be more sort of would appeal more to sort of people that are familiar with mixed fermentation and, you know, um, uh, Britannomyces and stuff like that has gone down really well. And the perfect case in point, we've got a beer, Force of Nature, which is the uh, third beer that we've that we've got in the tasting 
we sell so much of that and and to those to those sort of guys you know like we're always sort of you know flicking out tasters and you know to try and sort of um you know sort of expose people to some different styles of beer and things like that and more of your straight up and down sort of beer drinkers if you give them a taste of uh of half a dozen of our beers so many of them will end up landing on force of nature and they they love it, you know, and that's yeah, mixed fermentation, Brett Sack beer. So I was going to say that was going to be my next question. What was the third beer that I just finished? Yeah. quite greedily because um, it was nice. It is. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Not only is it maybe um, more line and length than some of the other beers on the list, but it's also just great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, when I came in, the, yeah, the two nature beers, the barrel version as well, they were my two favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're just really good beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the fourth beer that you've poured for us, uh, which one's that? It's a little bit uh, more sour. So that's Alameda, yeah. Yep. So that's our blended golden sour. So that uh, this blend is sitting at about 10, 12 months um, uh, of the of the blending stock. Um, so yeah, so we'll sort of blend off um, uh, a, a an amount of that, bottle some, keg some. Um, and then also too, our our golden base is what we blend off for fruiting um, and and things like that. So Alameda is is for us is our sort of uh, core, if you will, sort of on the sour side. Our intention is to always have that one available um, and to always you know sort of have it in both bottle and keg, and what we're sort of you know pushing out into wholesale. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's really nice sort of uh, level of acidity, um, you know has a really nice sort of uh, complexity to it and um, yeah but it's nice we like the fact that it changes from sort of one batch to the next and that's the same with 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 all of our beers um, you know whilst we're sort of still honing it in we do like the fact that there is drift and there is variability from sort of one batch uh, to the next that's something that uh, we sort of celebrate here it's it's nice to have that um, tell me about the names there's some Names, words that I don't recognise. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you come up with your names? So all of the beer names are uh, musical references. Um, so it was something that, that, that Ian and I talked about initially sort of um, before we named the beers was, you know, how we would go about doing it. And, you know, we love our music and, and um, sort of very passionate about it. So we sort of thought that that was a nice fit. Um, so, yeah, all of the... All the beer names are, you know, are lyrics out of songs, um, song titles, sort of album titles and things like that. It was actually funny because we, uh, just before we opened, um, we hadn't named any of the beers um, and we left that until, you know, the last week, uh, literally a few days before we opened. So we sort of just brainstormed a whole bunch of names and we had Two Wheeled Gypsy Queen and Stranger on a Train and things like that. And uh, little did we realise, especially having no hospitality experience, when the doors open and we were fortunate enough that there was a whole lot of people in there, we were quite frazzled and, you know, um, people are coming in and we're sort of uh, taking all the orders and two old Gypsy Queen and Stranger yeah, on a Train funny. and we're going, damn, what's that? What's that, <laughs> what's that one? So it's a, it took us a I while just, to go, I okay, enjoy the, the image of something like... Um, two wheel gypsy queen, please. <laughs> it's it's we've we've actually have had some yeah sort of uh, radio Kaliningrad and uh, we've got a table beer called um, Incantation and uh, a couple of them you get some pretty interesting interpretations of them. <laughs> I've had um, incarceration. Can I can I get a pint of incarceration? I still love that one. I think it's hilarious. But um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah. 
It's a little thing. What are those two referencing, those ones in particular? Incantation is? <laughs> uh, Incantation is a uh, Wolf Parade uh, song title. Um, and uh, Stranger on a Train is a Swerve Driver song. Yep. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, tell me about your barrel stock. I know there's people out there going tell us about the barrels you've mentioned breeks what sizes and how much do you have and how you know how much are you aging and keeping yep so we got um uh we've got uh our punchins which they're 500 liter uh ex-fortified riesling um barrels that's where we do um all of our primary fermentation of our uh base stock and our blending stock um and then we have uh, Barriques, so 225x red wine uh, barrels. Uh, we use the Barriques for uh, Brett fermentation beers. Um, the, ro- the smoked robust porter was fermented in it, for example. Uh, all of our fruiting, um, sort of, we fruit into the Barriques. Um, all of our barrels are what's known as neutral oak, so they impart very little uh, sort of oak flavour. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we sort of uh, gradually will, we will start to sort of uh, scale up uh, some of the fruiting and things like that. But yeah, the sort of the, the smaller format wine barrels um, are used for various sorts of uh, fermentation. Uh, like one is a nature's uh, fermented in it, uh, in in um, in uh, barriques as well. So yeah, we do a bunch of different things in those barrels um in terms of uh what we're doing with the uh aging and the and, and the blending of the big punchins uh the idea is that we've just about got all of them filled uh so we're up on to now the third level of the stillage it's sort of like a wine um method of being able to stack barrels mm-hmm. um and they sort of stack on top of each other um once once they're all full and we've inoculated them with um uh ian's uh it started as ian's homebrew um sour mixed culture that he had at home that we've propagated up and we've we've started sort of inoculating from one barrel into the next once all of those uh punchins are full uh we basically blend out of the punchins uh and so we'll take a portion out of this you know 100 litres, 200 litres out of this barrel um, to be able to blend off and then we top that back up uh, with a uh, fermented beer that we've fermented um, either in stainless or in another barrel. And the idea is effectively once all of those barrels are full and as they're turning over it will effectively become sort of one big sort of living, breathing organism. So it'll all feed into each other and we just basically top it out um, and, you know, sort of draw out from from each of them mm. um, for the for, for the blending stock. Um, so yeah, we do things like um, each uh, we uh, we try to uh, manipulate certain parameters from one uh, punch into the next. So to be able to give um, uh, more sort of um, acidification into one barrel. And, and less into another, target certain flavour profiles in others to give us a spread of sort of blending stock. Mm. So, and that's what gives us the variation from effectively one blend to the next. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's also a pretty slick looking pilot kit out there. Is that just for new uh, new beers or are you also going to be like thinking about some venue exclusive kegs to put on? <coughs> uh, no, it's, it's mostly for new beers. We've only got... Um, it's a 500 litre uh, brew house. Um, Post boil dilution, we sort of get close to 700 litres. Um, and 
we've got the smallest tank that we've got is a 300 litre tank so prior to us first opening we 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 use the pilot system a lot um and we do sort of pilot brews Um, but as we've sort of got busier and as we've started to sort of get more comfortable with the styles of beers uh, that we're doing as well as like the flavor profiles seeing the beers out on the other end we're starting to sort of use that as a pilot system less and less and just find ourselves just brewing uh just a single batch on the on the brew house like your sort of 350 400 liter sort of thing so um sort of less and less we're using the using the pilot system and just using our little brew house um to be able to sort of do that so and that's a thing is sort of the biggest the biggest uh, challenge for us uh, at the moment is scalability. So it's sort of we've been able to sort of do uh, all of these R&D beers and, um, you know, sort of be able to do, you know, one barrique, two barriques of it uh, to do a half batch of something, so 500 litres of, of a beer in, in tanks or whatever. Um but as we're sort of now sort of keeping up with the demand in the tap room as well as as we're starting to do more and more wholesale, you know, we need to be sort of um, sort of brewing larger batches of all of our beers to be able to keep up with the demand. So yeah, that sort of becomes less and less, you know, we have don't have the time to do little pilots, but yeah. Um, you're, so you're in pack now? Yep. Um, your bottle, what size are they? Uh, so we've got uh, th- uh, three seven five mil uh, champenois bottles, um, and then five hundred mil um, sort of. So the champenois bottles are sort of like what uh, the La Serene bottle is like, and um, uh, dollar bill. Um, and then th- our five hundred mil bottles are sort of like uh, the Bruni Island bottle, uh, sort of like the uh, Little Creatures uh, yeah, single batch old, sort yeah, of bottle. Yeah. Sure. Um, we were we were very particular with the uh, with with the format of the bottles. Um, we wanted to make sure that it was sort of it was in a size and in a price point landed on the shelf that could make it approachable uh, for people. I think it's one of the biggest challenges. The sort of beers that we do in pack is that sometimes if you just default to the seven fifty mil sparkling bottles, it sort of sits on that higher shelf in the bottle shop. People don't see it as an everyday drinking beer. It's a special occasion beer. They only buy one. They hold on to it for 12 months until they find an occasion, blah, blah, and blah. And then that's only a small percentage of people that do that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's sort of um, something that we are, you know, sort of very particular about is that, you know, we're, we're very passionate about our beer, but we're not sort of, you know, snobby about our beers. So we want to make sure that, that our beer is presented in a format that, does sort of translate that to them being everyday drinking beers as well because that's at the end of the day it's just beer so you know we want somebody to sort of feel like that uh, on a tuesday or wednesday night they can pop into a bottle shop and it's a size that they can drink and a price point that's reasonable so mm. yeah we're sort of finding that balance but we've only just bought um a bottle stock out um so we've been open for nearly seven months now um, and the you know the reason why we did that was that we wanted to be very particular in making sure that you know we nailed you know carbonation and that we were happy with how it was before we put it out into the market so because all of our beers are bottle conditioned um, so there's no forced carb with with the with the bottle stock um, so we've got a warm room there 
so it just takes time to sort of you know for for the for the bottle conditioning and for you know for the, some of the beers to clean up so mm. but now we're now we're sort of starting to release beers with some regularity so yeah um how widely available are your beers at the moment where can people find them um so it's, uh black hearts and sparrows um carwin sellers uh wine republic uh, are about to start taking our bottles this week. Um, uh, most our main driver is um, we've got an online store through the website, and here at, here in the tap room, uh, we're about to start sending some stuff interstate. So um, there will be sort of November, November, December is looking very busy for us. We've got a whole bunch of tap takeovers, uh, grape and grain. Um, uh, they're taking uh, a bunch of stuff. We're doing stuff at Mr. West, um, uh, east of everything in Hawthorne. So we're sort of trying to get around, you know, sort of geographically a nice spread around Melbourne. Um, and then we're looking at sending some stuff up to Brisbane and over to Perth as well. So, yeah, slowly, slowly, you know, because we, you know, we want to make sure that we, we sort of never run out here at the tap room. So... You know, it'll be a it'll be a pretty slow sort of integration out into wholesale for us. We're happy with that in terms of, you know, the speed of it. So, yeah. Um, that's all I think we had. Anything you want to add or anything you want to plug before we wrap up? No. Um, Where do people find you on the internet? Uh, futuremountain.com.au Okay, do people need to check that? Because the look in your eyes <laughs> I'm sure if you just Google Future I'm Mountain the, it'll I, come I, up Yeah, yeah I'm the least tech savvy out of the four of us So well, Keep got, your eyes on uh, Grape and Grain East of Everything and Mr West yeah, for the upcoming yeah. tap takeovers though um, Opening hours here? Uh, so uh, in the summer months we uh, will be open Thursday nights um, otherwise Friday, Saturday and Sunday Um but yeah, it's great. You know, it's sort of now is we've got Moondog World open um, around the corner. There's um, Tallboy and Moose. It's sort of like there's 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 several reasons and Carwin Sellers. There's uh, several reasons for people to sort of make the trip sort of sure. north and and it's like yeah, I, I can quickly see that you know sort of this this area in the northern suburbs will quickly become very similar to like your uh collingwood sort of molly rose and fixation mm. um the mill destination area for a crawl so in which you know you can that's the 86 tram line it still connects you to them yeah, as exactly. well yeah so, um that's pretty cool that good times eh? yeah yeah uh all right thanks so much for your time no worries really? thanks, thanks very much choice. guys cheers cheers, cheers. that good that was good thank you shane my side just then wasn't indicative no it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, it was just a general it was side. more about uh, i think it was uh weighing up what you're gonna do for your recommendations yeah yeah, yeah. uh what are you gonna do for your recommendations Dave? what do you want to start with let's do beer i always beer? like to finish on the non-beer right. i'm gonna go with a uh a little bit unorthodox format of recommendation for beer uh and last night i was home alone just enjoying some me time because mm-hmm, I deserve it. Mm-hmm. And w- I went to Dan Murphy's to get myself a couple of beverages. And I took home a six-pack of uh, Stomping Ground IPA, less than a month, 
in a can mm-hmm. and a four pack of Hop Nation's Karma Oatmeal Stout. For a home session, those <laughs> two back to back are just perfect. So I don't even mean I'm recommending uh, those two beers in particular for a session, yeah. but like finding something that just plays off each other in sort of like a perpetual way. By the time you finished an IPA, you're ready for an oatmeal stout. By the time you finished that, you're ready for the IPA again. What you're suggesting here, Dave, is beer and beer pairing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That could be the next, tr- that could be 2020's <laughs> hot trend. Yeah. But like, it was perfect. Um, these are going to be pretty re- boring recommendations because those are two breweries we're very familiar with on this podcast. True. Uh, and my brewery recommendation is a, another brewery that we've recommended before and we're very familiar with. Uh, Mr. Banks, he's bloody smashing out of the park lately. Everyone's loving his hazies. For sure. His hazies are bringing uh, people to the yard. The boys to the sure. yard. I went to the yard last weekend, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I popped Wait. my Mr. Banks venue oh, nice. cherry. How yeah. was it? Um, it was the day after the a Bucks party for me. So mm. and I was driving. Mm. So it wasn't really the best way to do it. But I mean, every, every beer is a winner there. Mm. So, yeah. Well, the West Coast IPA. Um, might have even been a previous wreck on the show. Has it? I think I might have recommended. Yeah, I've yeah. tried it. So goddamn good. Form. Yeah, man, that was good. So good. We got yeah. two cans, one for me, one for Emma, and went to bed. And I'm like, Emma's can is going down yeah. my gullet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really, really, really so good. good. Yeah, um, yeah, I know that his, his hazies and his, his esoteric stuff are getting. They're the like attention getters, but um, and God I know that so Mr. West. Um, have always have that in stock. That's yeah, nice. one of the beers they're like, yeah, we will always have this because well, they're I big think fans. He, I think he might have had six Neepers or six Hazies on tap last Sunday mm. and I had one beer and everyone loved everything that, that uh, was in that group and I had one beer for the day and I got this, I got his Pilsner and I was mm. like, you guys are all wrong. I mean, you're all enjoying yourselves mm. but you're all wrong on some <laughs> yeah, level, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mr. Banks, West Coast IPA. Bloody, great one, bloody great one. So good, yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just just going back to mine for a second, mm. the Hop Stomper IPA doesn't get the attention it deserves. Agreed. It's so good. Agreed. It's so good. Yeah, I've had some of that in the fridge recently and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, non beer. Non beers. All right, I'll tell you a little story. Oh, here we go. Since Japan, which I got back at the start of April, mm-hmm. I haven't caught up to my um, podcast listening and just recently I'm back to current mm. so on a few commutes or whatever I'm doing to listen to podcasts I'm, I don't have anything left mm. so I've just like dove into Spotify mm. I don't know what's going on anymore I'm approaching mid 30s so I don't yeah, know anymore yeah, I've yeah. gone back to like some of my like oldest favourite albums and they're the best. Mm. So my recommendation for non-beer is to go back in history, find those albums that made you happy 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's going to it's gonna stir something up. Mm. Do mm. it and enjoy it. I had pretty rubbish taste back then. I'll be listening to Oh, it. yeah? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to listen to a Pennywise album now. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Really hold up. All right. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's a good one. I like that. Um, mine were, is to do a jigsaw. Oh yeah, a little jigsaw on the yeah, go. I saw home. your Insta story where Pickle got in a box. Yeah. Classic cat behavior. Pretty, pretty good yeah. stuff. Um, How's his cat run, by the way? His little tower. Yeah, mm, he's working on. Yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I picked up this one at Savers, the second hand shop for five bucks. Got an old yoga mat, so you can roll it up. Yeah. And it will stay on the roll. You can actually get... Is that right? Yeah, it's not super efficient. You can get puzzle mats with felt on them. Yeah, okay. And they're really good. Um, this... And it takes me about two minutes to kind of piece yeah, it back together. Yeah, great though. If you can get it back in two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm really enjoying... Like, it's, it's also quite good if Emma's cooking or whatever, and I'm doing the, just kind of... Like, we can chat. And yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, it's good for focus, good for memory. Um, I like that. Me and Steph did a puzzle a while ago, and we chose like a really difficult puzzle. Mm. Um, this one is also very hard. So we like got through about sixty percent of it, and then we got the cat and dog, mm. and that was over. Mm. It was over. The cat would knock the pieces off the table, the dog would chew them up. So, mm. I mean, we had a good time while doing it, but we didn't yeah. finish that. One. We That's got like uh, we got some fireworks one. Okay. And like the crossover of fireworks yeah. is extremely difficult to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, this is also a hard one. It's an awkward shape. It's one meter by thirty centimeters, so what? it's long and, and not yeah. super. At least you can use your table, all right? To yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just because of good. good yeah. I'm finding I'm where I would just be sitting in front of the TV or, or browsing through yeah, social like media. Yeah, like really not benefiting anything from mm. those, those activities. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go pick up a puzzle. Cheap at like secondhand shops. I, I there may be some risk. There's not a piece in there. Oh, you can either um, even like if you get it from Kmart. Or Kmart whatever. has five dollar yeah. puzzles. Yeah. yeah, this one's called Cyber Realism though. Um, What's well, the series by a French artist? Uh, it's terrible. It does not look good. Um, but you know, it's kind of on brand for me. Alright Anyway Dave Where do we find you At Melb Dave On the socials uh, Send me an email Dave at Ale of a Time dot com um, How about you Get me At Ale of a Time Everywhere on socials uh, Hypothetical Institute For some conspiracy Related What's on the menu for Stuff oh, Last episode We did Chupacabra What's the El what's Chupacabra the Yeah right What's the, the deal South American The Goat Sucker That's the translation the goat sucker. Yeah, okay. so it's like a, a animal that sucks the blood of goats. Right. Uh, chupa, chuppy chups, same spelling. Huh. So Portuguese, yeah, maybe? Right. Spanish. Um, yeah, what else we did? We did that one and another one. That was fun. Yeah. Um, Check it out. Also, eats and drinks. What's going on with eats and drinks? Tell me about uh, A bit of a delay. Well, we just, both of us, a bit we've of been a quite busy. Sure. Um, but the next two recipes going up, we've got a lambic fermented mustard. Yum. Right? But um, you've yeah. actually tried that one. You enjoyed it. Yeah, I did actually. Um, I loved that actually. Yeah. yeah. Lambic fermented mustard and we've got a uh, Peruvian dish uh, from one of our... From Peru? Uh, yep. Oh, one right. of our um, podcast listeners sent us some spices from Peru and a recipe. She's Amazing. from Peru but lives in Australia. Um, but she sent us the recipe for... Uh, Lomos Lomo mm, I apologise Look it up I remember what Talk to drinks. me in English terms What is uh, it? It's like a It's an interesting Stir fried beef recipe Yeah It's um, Chinese Slash Peruvian origin Through Chinese migrants But So it's beef Pretty pretty straightforward Soy sauce um, A few veggies But I think the Amarillo spice Aji Amarillo But also French fries Are part of it So you You Get French fries and chips. That's why I just said almond roasted chips. Yeah. Stir them through at the end. So you've got a stir fry with chips. That's great. Yeah, it was really a bloody French fry in the middle of your tell you stir what, fry. Fries included in anything that I've had so far is a win. Yeah, it was yeah. It was like 
Oh, this is yeah. Like excellent. fries in the in a civilaki, mm. fries in a sandwich. You are onto a winner when you I'm have right those there sort with of you. things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that'll be out hopefully this week as well. So Very nice. check it out. Thanks for staying with us through this what I feel like is a long episode, right? Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah, what yeah, else I love doing? it. Yeah, this is like a like, we're gonna get to Joe Rogan level three, hours three hours. Yeah, yeah, or three and a half. That's wild. 